Don't believe the extreme right that there is no climate crisis to deal with, and don't believe the extreme left that it's too late to save ourselves. We have the time, we have the power, we have the technologies to transform our consumptive economy that served us so well in the past, but today has gone beyond its limits to growth to a new sustainable economy that can enable us to thrive. I'm Bill Shireman, and this is a moment of BS, a place and a podcast where the silenced majority of Americans, that middle 70% from the left to the right, can break out of the media silos that keep Americans from working together and pushing back further and further our ability to solve the big problems that we face, including climate change. When I was a young activist growing up in Silicon Valley and Sunnyvale, fresh from having read The Population Bomb and learning about the destruction of ecosystems all around the world and watching systematically as every orchard in my community was taken down one after another, I joined and became very active in a group called Orchard. Now get this acronym, the Organization of Responsible Citizens for Halting Reckless Development in Sunnyvale. And as an activist with Orchards, I railed against the developers that were on our city council who I saw as driving the destruction of the city by pushing for ever more housing on ever more open space. We were successful at electing a new city council led by Larry Stone and Greg Morris, who turned the tide, who helped to grow a movement throughout Silicon Valley to protect the open space there. And we were extraordinarily successful, and we have some amazing areas that we have preserved all that time. But in a way, we won too much. We passed a law here in California called CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act. That act was passed because we wanted to stop the systematic destruction of our state. And to do that, we had to put impediments in the way of development. Those impediments did dramatically slow the process of development in California and allowed us to protect a lot of open space. We equated at that time reduced housing and commercial development with a higher quality of life. And so it was for a period of time. Now, however, partly because of our efforts, we have an acute shortage of housing in California, absurd costs for buying a home, brutal rents for apartments, the highest poverty rates in the nation, the most homeless per capita in the nation. And while we use a higher and higher proportion of renewables for our energy, we can't build renewable energy in the state. We have to buy it mostly from Texas nor are we able to build the infrastructure of a truly sustainable California economy to deal quite inadequately with that housing crisis that we face. The state has taken some action, and one of the things they've done is to look at our local governments and see who has and who hasn't done their job of creating enough housing for the new people that they're drawing into their communities. And to compel these cities to bring more housing they have passed legislation that breaks local limitations on developing housing near transit and allows the state to come in and assure that we have much more housing at transit locations. Now, that makes good policy sense to me, but it is uncomfortable that we're taking more power away from localities to determine their own futures. Local cities and local residents say this is taking democracy away, but it's not really taking democracy away because I'm afraid local development decisions are made in ways that do not approximate democracy in the least. 
That law we passed, CEQA, is now used not to protect places for environmental reasons. It is used by wealthy property owners to stop development and keep driving their property to higher and higher value, and by labor unions who want to hold facilities hostage to ensure that more workers and higher paid workers are the only way that we can get housing. And all of that is driving up the cost of housing, preventing the updating of zoning and building codes. And let's face it, this phenomenon is not limited to the state of California. Government rules, government regulations have become so clogged by procedures established in other eras to protect other interest groups. And then these have been layered on top of one another, local, state, and federal regulations, that it is practically impossible to build any significant facility new in this country without billions of dollars behind you, politicians in your pocket, and years to withstand delays and court battles and sequest studies and hostage-taking and the many other steps that have been implemented mostly originally for good cause, but that have now been gamed against us. I bring all this up because last year at the federal level, we passed two pieces of legislation that create a remarkable opportunity to leap forward to a net-zero economy that can deliver sustainability, prosperity, security, and a sense of national purpose in just one decade. Congress passed on a bipartisan vote the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, and on a very partisan vote, the Inflation Reduction Act. Those acts together allocated $430 billion to transform the nation's energy infrastructure. Now, if you and we combine forces to ensure that those funds are spent effectively, here's what we can do in just one decade. We can create a more circular economy that thrives like nature, closing the loop on the old throwaway economy so we continuously reduce and renew our draws on the planet. We can modernize the electric grid, build out utility-scale wind and solar, commercialize renewable fuels, capture carbon, and introduce net-zero oil and gas. That's what we can accomplish together, starting with that $430 billion and building the infrastructure that can support us. But there is a problem. Barriers that we have put in place, often to protect the environment, now prevent us from transforming our economy from a throwaway system to a circular system. The only way that we have a chance of growing and building that sustainable economy that is within reach is by reforming those laws that slow down development unnecessarily. In short, we need permitting reform. Many say that that reform has to reduce democracy at the local level, has to take control away from the local level so that we can make smarter decisions at the state and the federal level. Now, that is very appealing to the authoritarian mindset that says, on the one hand, we absolutely need to make these changes because climate change is a crisis and we can't wait for democracy to make these hard decisions. It is also highly appealing to the interest groups that want to build that new infrastructure update the grid, rebuild our automotive industry, onboard new nuclear plants, extract critical minerals, export fossil fuels, build recycling plants. There is lots of money to be made by combining the impulses 
of those who want to deal very quickly with climate change and those who want to build the technologies that will do so. And I have plenty of sympathy for that, but I don't think it's going to work. The biggest opportunity that we face right now is not to roll back democracy so that we can build a new economy quickly. I don't think citizens on the left or the right will really stand for that. But we also can't fool ourselves into thinking that the current system in any way reflects democracy. The delays that are built into our system at the local, state, and federal level have little to nothing to do with people's choices. They have to do with protecting interest groups. Many times those interest groups are wealthy developers. Many times they are affluent environmentalists. They may be labor unions. They may be big industries. They may be people that want to keep housing scarce and to push prices even higher. They may be people that don't want their low-cost communities to be gentrified. We're looking forward to engaging with all these people, but particularly the middle 70% of Americans who know that we need to reform our permitting systems, but also know that we don't need less democracy or more corrupted democracy. We need better democracy. Toward this end, we're already beginning to see creative legislation, innovative legislation from both Republicans and Democrats that can accelerate the emergence of an infrastructure that radically reduces the amount of carbon we consume to live our lives. But maybe there's something else even more that we can do. Two years ago, some friends of ours got together and funded a process called America in One Room. It was carried out by Stanford University and the University of Chicago, and it became the largest experiment in deliberative democracy in the history of the country. Now, deliberative democracy is a process by which we bring together a representative sampling of the population, we survey them on their opinions on a set of issues, and then we engage them. In this case, it was 960 Americans who spent about 10 hours apiece talking about the future of energy policy in this country. They listened to experts. They learned the facts. They learned opinions. Most of all, they spoke with each other. And by the end of that 10-hour process, two things had happened. First of all, they moved away from partisan positions where red Americans went one direction and blue Americans went in the opposite direction. And instead, they gathered together around the facts and found the common ground that allowed them to identify energy and climate preferences that more than 70% of Americans can support. They essentially did the job that Congress has failed to do for 20 years in about 10 hours. The other thing that they did was develop understanding of each other. They were able to hear the ideas of red Americans, of blue Americans, of Sanders supporters, of Trump supporters, consider the various technologies of energy. And what they discovered more than anything else was their mutual humanity. They came to like each other, even love each other, so that by the time we ended that 10 hours of discussion, people were crying that they were ending this beautiful conversation in which, for the first time in their recent memories, they were able to talk to other Americans, to their neighbors and now their friends, and honestly express differences of opinion and then come to solutions that represented both their worldviews and both their priorities. Imagine if this were our alternative to the Democratic and the Republican conventions of next year that, again, have nothing to do with democracy, that are choreographed and controlled events, essentially hours-long advertisements for one party or the other party. 
What if instead Americans were coming together to actually talk about the issues that divide us and to come to resolution on those? Well, I'm frankly hoping that my friends come together again to do an America in One Room in 2024. But I think there's something else that we can do with that model. Inspired by America in One Room and deliberative democracy, develop alternative permitting processes that bring together not the loudest or the most powerful self-interested citizens, but that brought together a representative sample of communities who have the opportunity to be the places where these new, clean technologies can be made real. Transforming our economy from the old throwaway model of the 1950s and 1960s to the clean, circular, sustainable economy that can deliver prosperity in the age where digital technologies to live better lives destroy less of the planet, enjoy closer connections to one another, greater prosperity, take much, much less from our planet, and move forward to what I've called a rainforest economy that can sustain us for centuries. Just 2 or 3% of us championing these outcomes have the political power and the marketplace power to make it happen. We're not just talking about this. We're taking action. And I invite you to join us, my partners at EarthX, the world's largest environmental gathering in Dallas, Texas, this April 19th to 22nd, bringing together red Americans and blue Americans and environmentalists and conservationists and hunters and vegans and big oil and big tech and small businesses and moms and dads and kids. And we're going to talk about how we create this new economy that supports life in its largest and broadest sense. Set aside your despair. It's not doing us any good. And that is not BS. But I am. And I look forward to seeing you this April in Dallas, Texas. 